0: Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Moniac, and today DM Chris and I are talking to Eric Silver all about collaborative world building on an epic scale, which you can hear Eric do on his own podcast, but you'll hear more about that in a second. Today, we have two iTunes reviews. The first one comes from Nicholas Haynes, KY, entitled, amazing podcast, five stars. I've never rated a podcast ever. I felt the need to do so because this podcast has pulled me out of so many idea droughts. The hosts are relatable, informative, and funny. It's such an easy podcast to listen to. Well, thank you, Nicholas. DM Nick. DM Nicholas, I don't want to make assumptions, but thank you for that awesome review. The next review comes from AS Podcast, entitled Can't Get Enough. Five stars. This podcast is awesome for beginners and pros alike. I have learned so much from the host and enjoying the personalities they bring to the show. Keep on DMing. We will as long as you do. So thanks, Jalanders, for that awesome review. As always, you can head over to our Patreon and check out the latest content that we're releasing this week. But with that, let's head to the meat. I'm starving.
1: We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days.
0: Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu,
2: boys. Well, we are joined today by Eric Silver, the DM of Join the Party and writer of the audio sitcom Next Stop. So, Eric, thanks for being on the Dungeon Master's Block. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I get to talk about DMing stuff in the middle of the day. So Yeah,
2: which is why we're all here. We love it <laughs> yep. so much that we'll do that, no matter what else we should be doing.
1: <laughs> I'd be planning, I would be planning like making up monsters. Like that's what I would be doing.
2: Hey, that's not a bad alternative either. So, <laughs> but we're glad that you took the time to be with us because we're excited to hear about what your experience like is, has been like as a DM. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to kind of kick this little shindig off?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so I'm the dungeon master of join the party. I've come to Dungeons and Dragons really through the big swell of Dungeon D and D media, like right on the cusp of uh, Taz balance of the Adventure Zone balance. So I m- like I see Dungeons and Dragons through this media critical lens at all times. Like, how, what is the relationship between the players and the game and the game and an audience that wants to be? consumed by a story and will spend time watching or listening to a Dungeons and dragon story um almost all of my D D games have been recorded i would say like i think i've played three or four that have not been recorded so i wow. see so much for, through this lens I, I played other games like i have a masks game going uh with my girlfriend and a few game and a few players that i just and i really love and i'm so happy i don't have to record it or be the dm <laughs> for it for that matter but like My dungeon, my Dungeons and Dragons is like, are people being intentional about the things that they're doing? Why is it popular? Why is it good? And uh, I spend so much time thinking about that stuff. And now I get to talk about it with you guys. And hopefully I implement the things that I know and love and want to emulate on join the party.
0: Awesome. Also, yeah, if you're not playing, you should definitely play masks. Anyone that hears this should play Masks. and definitely as a dungeon master, try being the person that runs it because it's going to break your brain. (laughs) every which way because i've ran i've run a few games of it and basically you don't roll there's not an initiative order per se and all your sensibilities are just broken i love masks it's just like
1: it is the game that is the best at form and function coming together like it really takes for those of you who've never played if you're a teenager and you're a superhero (laughs) and it's perfect
0: yeah, and I had the I had the privilege of it being run by the creator for Young Justice podcast um, that I'm tied to. So oh, we do have a question, and that is, what are you working
1: on? And we always put the caveat that you can tell us about. Let's see. Um well into the Dungeon and Dragon space we're recording join the party. We're like 7 there are two episodes out right now but we're like 7 steps ahead. Like we've recorded 7 sessions. So good for it's you. funny. You've been
2: doing this before, haven't you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> just yeah, just a little bit. So <laughs> I will say that I have my good friend Misha Stanton, the amazing uh audio designer and frequent Dungeon Dragons player sent me a DM's Guild guide The grease monkey guide, which is how you can make like mechs and uh, like more more intense robots. And I've really been diving into that. I'm not going to say anything else about it, but it's Uh, been pretty wild trying to build something from scratch. This is the first time I've ever done this. Build something from scratch and then compare it against the CR rating guide in the back of the dungeon master's. Uh, in the back of the oh, Dungeon yeah, Masters yeah. thing. I love reskinning and I love homebrewing. And I like just like coming up with things that I'm like, ah, oh, you know, during play, I'll make sure that nobody dies. But it's been really sure. fun to really look at the stats and really do this comparison. So that's, I've been doing with Dungeons & Dragons, but the audio sitcom that I wrote, Next Stop, is out. We have two episodes out, and we're already, like, flying up the fiction charts, so if you need something uplifting and like 90s sitcoms, but made for a 21st century audience, please go listen to that. And I also have two other podcasts. I have a basketball podcast called Horse, where we talk about basketball, and but not the stats, just the, the fun stuff and the beefs and everything. And I made, uh, just because I've been kind of cooped up during quarantine, I made a new show called, What's your favorite pokemon and then i say something nice about you where i just have my friends and people who i respect come on and we talk about pokemon and then i give them, them a compliment at the end and it's just kind of like a bomb to think about pokemon for five seconds instead of like everything else
0: okay well first off i'm gonna try and invite myself onto the pokemon podcast Seriously? but <laughs> i'm more excited about this, our surprise question, because I specifically picked it knowing that you one of the things about season two for Join the Party if you don't mind me promoting you is that it's kind of taking D&D and being in a more modern setting and adjusting things to make that function. It's not like the thing I my go to is a Dwarven cleric. It's not like, boom, I serve Morden. What's up? I'm here. I got plate mail, and I'm in the 90s.
2: <laughs> Why would we ever promote somebody who's a guest on the show? No, Why no, no. I
0: know. I, I'm, well, I'm just saying that now and then we'll edit all of this and back out. But, oh, thank you. <laughs> so kind. <laughs> no problem. But the question I have, because it was also kind of looking at things in possibly more of a superhero bent, and that's a representation of the skills and the powers that a and character has. Our surprise question for you comes from DM Exitium. Thanos snaps his fingers at the end of Infinity War. Who dies in your D&D campaign?
1: Oh, wow. We're only a few episodes in, so I can't. Like, It's hard for me to talk about some NPCs already, but they're... Um, I'm trying to think of the... Then talk about that.
2: your players. Don't yeah. No, no, no. Go, Go straight, straight to, to the Straight
1: to dead players. Player uh, characters, everyone. Sorry. Yeah, right. Uh, I think Milo snaps out. He's uh, a druid, but he is a uh, we homebrewed this Circle of Spirits druid, so it's a combination of the Circle of Spores. And the revived rogue, both from Unearthed Arcana, and we've had to mesh them together. So he's like a druid, but also Danny Phantom, and like he's dealing within spirits. So I think it's interesting if he snapped, like where would he go? And then where would his connection to the spirit world go? I think it would be a really interesting question to probe in the Infinity War movie version of that. And then like dealing with that. And then also he has like a little ghost cat tuna. So also seeing tuna uh, poof away would make everyone really sad and really <laughs> if that, that hard.
2: I love it. Well, Hopefully they're not listening because now they're just going to look for all of those moments where you have the opportunity to like just nix them.
1: Honestly, like Milo dying. Would is so interesting because he, the way that we've kind of put it together, you know, the revived rogue gets to talk to spirits. But I think that if you make it as a druid, that feels like a thing that they want to do sooner. So we kind of moved it up on their character. I think it's like their sixth level. Um, if I'm just pulling it out of my head. It's like their sixth level feature. So it would just be an opportunity for them to talk to whatever thing is tying them to the spirit realm. And I like, you know, in superheroes, it's like how the, like the relationship with like magical and mythological things is always kind of strange and murky and maybe you can look at it a little bit to the left. So it would really be a fun thing to do. So Brandon, just so you know, I'm going to kill your character.
2: <laughs> well, and so I think that's a great segue because if you did kill his character, you could then work collaboratively on creating what that spirit world looks like, which is why we're here to talk today.
0: Hey, we're hey. going to talk
2: about world building collaboratively, um, which is something that you know eric you really enjoy doing it's one of the things that we talked about and um you've given us some examples of maps and things that you and your players uh, have built in the past but i guess the, the first question i would love to ask you and just throw it out to all of us is where do you guys usually start when you collaboratively build a world like th- there's always the kind of idea when you build a world as a dm you start like big and then small or you start small and then big or somewhere in, be- in between but where do you guys usually start if you build something collaboratively with players?
1: So I started out by going big. The main way that my players and I collaborated was that we made the city that the majority of everything was going to happen in. But I kind of controlled the timeline and we had talked about the themes and the thing that we wanted to come into the story. So the premise of this campaign is that uh, Lake Town, this like bucolic, uh, Lake Placid, upstate New York, summering, sort of like woodsy town of like, 200 people that surrounded this is like surrounding a lake and right on the border between uh, New York and Vermont um, there's a mad scientist that that lives there and in like 1985 she splits a bunch of atoms and creates a new and creates a new element which is called diaphragm and uh, it spreads out delta rays and the joke that I said was like you know gamma rays turned the incredible hulk into the incredible hulk but delta rays are one better (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice. So she created this. So she created this element, and it, you know, like in uh in Watchmen, how all the technology has changed because of Doctor Manhattan. So similarly, but in a positive way, she's like, oh, I've created new energy, and I'm kind of like revving up the United States into like a this futurism sort of place. So Lake Town, uh, because of intervention between science and the government and all these different factors. Turns into a city the size of Portland within like 30 years from like 200 people to Portland's Portland, wow. uh, Oregon size. We talked about the timeline, we like the idea of having like a superhero ish story, an X Men ish story, and we recorded all this stuff. Like, we have four episodes that we called pre-games before this campaign started. So our first one, we talked about the themes and I kind of laid out this idea. And the second one, we talked about characters. But in episode three and episode four, we literally created Lake Town the original 1985 summering village. And then we created the city in 2020 X Lake town city and everything grew from there. So I wanted them to help create the environment. So then they can create the landmarks that are related to their characters. And I can kind of fill everything in because we've all established all this stuff. It's like, okay, there is a hipster neighborhood. So it's like, I can put things in the hipster neighborhood if they want that. Like we established that the public transit system was, This like gondola, twisting gondola system called Sky Tram to reinforce that futurism. And we also like pointed out that all and uh, everything kind of spiraled off from there. So I can build the detailed things because we've all kind of agreed together and made uh, lots of jokes that were enduring that the city exists in these ways.
2: Now, did you come into those sessions with? question that you were asking to help them fill out or did you just kind of start and say let, like let's have a conversation about this and see where it leads
1: that's a great question i definitely needed a structure i could not just be like so like like let's make a city hey what, what should a city have <laughs> so i ended up using the game a quiet year uh by avery adler as the structure for those of you who don't know what it is first of all go download it avery adler is a master of game mechanics, inform story following function. She also created monster hearts Two, which I love another amazing uh, powered by the apocalypse game, but a quiet year is about you creating a community after some sort of like nuclear, some sort of like terrible disaster happening and like the community creating things together. And it's, Uh, You use a deck of cards, you pull the deck of cards, you ask a question, and then you write it on this piece of paper, and then the community kind of grows from there as you build upon what the questions are asking. So I used a hacked version of that. I used the structure and the mechanics, but I came up with, like, six questions per era that I wanted to ask everybody that would build the city. And I divided the eras into, like, seven, eight years so that it would be, like roughly 25 to 30 years but then i asked them questions i'm like who is the most popular uh does a celebrity live here who is the richest group of people here who is the mayor uh what is their food what is the food delicacy like what is the sports team and i didn't answer those questions like my players answered the question originally uh there's a thing you do in a quiet year is you name so you name abundances and you name scarcities and we were we were in abundance of science but we <laughs> there's a scarcity of seafood because it's, upstate, because it's upstate New York. Mm. And yet the delicacy was something seafood related. So then we were looking into like crawdads and crawfish. And there was a name called uh, Mountain Lobsters is a nickname for crawdads and crawfish like in, in northern <laughs> nice. parts. So That's Mountain awesome. Lobsters are just pervasive. Like now the team, the NHL team are the <gasps> Lake Town City Mountain Lobsters.
2: I feel like next time I go to a seafood restaurant, I have to like throw out Mountain Lobster just to see if anybody like gets that at all that just sounds like such a fun prank to do
1: it's such like an ina- regionalism it's such a regionalism and i'm so glad that we latched onto it because obviously and it, the fact that it's north but you're talking about like a traditionally southern food fru- food like you would talk about like crawdads or crayfish and all these mm-hmm. ways but this one place that created because it's so close to canada and it's so close to vermont and the upstate new york culture is like of course they would have a regionalism that nobody understands
0: I love it. Well, and I love the idea of using the quiet year. And I think that's one of the other really interesting ways that you approached it to then, yeah, using something else. Because sometimes the the tools that you're given for D&D are more focused on play, mm-hmm. which that's the way it is. That's the way the game is intended to be. But there are so many small indie games that help do this sort of collaborative world building. And you could also... Because the interesting thing is you could decide, Okay, so between using the podcast as an example, but just as easily, you could use this as campaigns in your game. Campaign one or campaign two is over. We're going to play the quiet year again before we do campaign three.
1: And that's something that I've learned from uh, friends at the table. Like they're staying in the same universe, but they keep Mm -hmm. just like layering things on top of it. And uh, I love doing stuff like this, and I've learned so much about different games from uh, friends at the table and just being immersed in RPG worlds. And yeah, I think that, doesn't, and this is a whole other conversation, but I think that D and D works the best as a media property it is the game that people probably know the best and 5e is very flexible it's very role play based and if you figure out a way to like limit initiative like it's pretty accessible to pretty much anybody but that doesn't mean that dnd is the best at what it does so i love hacking other things onto my game so i did this with a quiet ear uh whenever we do a heist i always use the circles from uh blades in the dark Just to demonstrate how a heist can go and the flashbacks from Blades in the Dark. So I I 100% agree with hacking things into your D&D game because 5th edition is so incredibly flexible.
0: Yeah. And so the one that I used for a campaign was uh, Kingdom. Uh, It's similar. It's similar in some aspects to A Quiet Year, but basically you. You. NPCs that you are and you play through kind of the start of this kingdom and you're making that determination how much how little what's happening and you're going back and forth and you're having scenes with other NPCs that doesn't that mean that might mean those are the players that you play it might not like I played in the campaign I the NPC I played during the kingdom was the father of the NPC that I ended up playing Mm. and so going back and forth and figuring that's the same the exact same thing, collaborative world building, and then someone else is actually
1: running the game once you start. I think that's really interesting because, like, a player is establishing the personality of this person or, like, a history a history of this person. And then when you give it to the dungeon master, like, they need to follow the thing that you said. Yep. It's like, even, it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to embody this role, but, like, you created it and, like, I uh, thank you and congratulations. These are the consequences of the things that you did.
2: And yes. if we're truthful, they gave that person a name, which is the ri- most ridiculously hard thing a DM can ever do, is just to come up with plethora of names.
1: Oh, 100%. Um, we we had a uh, bar slash roller derby slash bowling alley called Astro Lanes from the 1985 game, and then it became this like re- this city chain called Astros. And I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't have to name that, because I never would have come up with that.
2: Yep. If you want another crazy like concoction of different businesses together, there's a place where I live that's axe throwing and virtual reality in one place.
1: <laughs> that's what's really fun about doing a modern d d game because especially the weird times that we're in in 2020, like anything is anything. Like who says that these things don't exist? Like how is a, is a roller rink slash bowling alley slash bar weirder than VR and axe throwing? Like it's not.
2: It's not. Yeah, you're right my brain
0: I, I do love the term though anything is anything because yeah it is but it's totally. as, sim- as simple as it gets also i'm going to throw this out there because i've played it and it's really amazing it's called the skeletons mm. and it's a really good way to collaboratively build a dungeon or tomb or actually a battlefield there's a lot of reskins for it um where basically you play as these the skeletons um and you're I don't want to say non-existent, but you're not doing anything until you're doing something. And like you have like this period of rest because you're just sitting there as an undead creature. And you literally, I mean the concept of the game would be to turn off all the lights, sit there for a certain amount of time, like a year passes. So you sit there for a minute and then they, you wake up and this is where you start to get pieces of your old life. So then you're starting to reestablish pieces of the world that have happened. And like, also make it kind of sad when you're going to come in and definitely kill these skeletons at the end. Um, (laughs) But that's another really cool way to add more world building flavor into the world, into your D and D world. But again, you're not doing it alone. I mean, at that point you're just as much a player as anybody else is.
1: Yeah. I think that there are so many uh, because of the, I don't want to say blowback from, but like the response to Dungeons and Dragons as like the big, role-playing game like there are so many games that focus on collaborative storytelling that are so easy to hack on i'm thinking of one from like early uh the early 2000s called inspectors oh yeah which i i love it's a combination of the real world and ghost hunting where (laughs) basically you need to like create a, a a ghostbusters style like ghost hunting outfit uh but all of the storytelling is incredibly collaborative um, so the way that you kind of start everything is that you're thinking about that this is a business and you want to create the business, all the things that would be in a business together, regardless of who your player is. So it's like, all right, name one thing in the office. And it's like, okay, uh, I want there to be a coffee, a coffee machine. And then you roll on it. And the role determines, depending on what your like tech score is, like how, haunted or mischievous or like good this thing in the offices because obviously you can have like sick chairs but like a janky coffee machine so i think that just like people being able to throw that out there and everyone getting their shot to say something in the office which is exactly like you could just go around the table and be like hey what's one thing in this bar like that's just mm-hmm. like you can just do that during your D&D game. There is an opportunity for the DM not to just say everything exists. It's like you can populate the player. You can populate the characters, but let's like have them describe what this thing looks like.
2: Yeah, that's as you say that I've never done the like collaborative world building on a macro scale before, but that's like what I do regularly at the table is like, Mm -hmm. hey, you they're like, what do we do when we enter this town? I'm like, what do you do? Well, we want to go find a bar. Okay. What's the name of the bar that you're gonna go and find? And like when you walk inside, who is it that you see? You know, like what's the one weird quirk about them? You know, like you can do either or both. Like you can make it as big as you want or as small as you want. And I think the cool part about world building and giving it to your players is that the buy in level is so much greater for them when they're actually invested in the story than just having things be given to them surprisingly that you came up with or created ahead of time like that's the coolest thing is like the players want to go back and see that again they want to interact with that npc they want to you know go back to that dungeon or that business or whatever it is cuz i think that's just that's what i've always appreciated like when the ideas that i throw out are taken uh, as a player and put into practice by the dm and then you know as the dm i try to do that the same way because it's just players get so much more invested that way
1: that honestly shows so much vulnerability of you as a dungeon master is like i created this thing but you can also put things in it and totally change what i want i i'm looking at this from like a dn a dnd media perspective is like i infrequently want to seem like i don't know what i'm doing and that i haven't planned for everything allowing players to make stuff within my world that's going to be created and then sent out to an audience. I'm like, okay, like, here's here's the thing that I spent all this time. And like, everyone's going to know that I didn't create it and that we're kind of going off the rails and that's okay because we, I feel confident in my improbabilities and we're all having fun together and we are all on the same team.
0: So I feel like we've done a lot of potential pros, but the next kind of thing that I had, that we had written down was. Pros and cons of collaborative world building. Because let's all be honest, this is it's not all pro. Um, <laughs> that I, that but being cautious of what those cons are and how to adapt around them and work with them is also really helpful. Because I think it goes off of what you were just saying. Like there's something about giving up your baby because you are at the end of the day the DM and you approached. Season two, by bringing the idea of it being superhero kind of esque, but it could have gone extremely sideways the second you started talking to the rest of the players.
1: I think the biggest danger is when everyone isn't on the same page, like idea wise. So you really, really, really need to have that episode zero or that session zero where you figure out what the tone and the themes are. That's why the first pregame before we did any, 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 any sort of world building together was me laying out the things that I wanted to explore and talk about and whether or not people wanted to use that or bounce off of it. Because there is an element, a big thing we're talking about is science, future, technology. And it's like, and also, you know, the world we live in in April, May 2020 is like, you know what, I don't want to explicitly talk about guns or violence, but like we can talk about science and weapons, but it's like no one's going to bring in an M16. Like I I also am not like a gun guy, so like I just don't necessarily care about that, but it was really important to me that like the weapons, it was really important that we talked about the fact that like weapons are superhero comic book goofy sort of weapons. And like even Mm. if they're high tech, it's going to be like Laser beams and uh, and jetpacks and stuff like that. Another thing that we have to talk about, and we we talked about a little bit, but it's something that I t- really tried to embody was like, you know, when if someone dies, it's gonna be a big deal. So like, if you bring someone down to zero hit points, and like D and D is a war game. Like, shout out to uh, the first elements of that, like uh, from the the Civil War modules that Gary Gygax made yeah. before D&D is like yeah. it is a war game so if someone goes down to zero HP no one's gonna die but like they're gonna be be beaten up like in a superhero movie and like I'm gonna remove them like it's a side scroller you know like they're gonna get like they'll be dealt with later they're passed out they're handcuffed they like turn into pixels and like disappear <laughs> like double dragon you know so it's like everyone needs to be on the same page about what the tone and the themes of your game is going to be. Or then someone's going to be like, yeah, like, let's have a skid row. Or there's prostitutes. And then it's like, mm, no, no, you're, we're not going to do that. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, not not the game we're we're that's not
2: where we're going. That's not where we're going. Exactly.
0: I mean, one of the con- potential cons, because it again, it depends on how you look at it and how you approach it. But part of that is going to be a requirement to do that more often. Than you normally would. Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm running a pre-written module. Fun fact: the tone is set. It yes. is literally written down, and there, there's this, the idea that that's just what's going to happen. I'm going to keep running this game, and it's going to keep being that same kind of game. Things will certainly change, and you have that meme where it's like, we start out as Lord of the Rings, now we're Monty Python. Sure, that's right. probably inevitably going to happen, but. Taking the time to maybe not having the next session of the game and having like another session zero, if you will, to make sure that people are still on the same page, especially with large, large events in the game of like, okay, so if you do X, this happens. If you do Y, this happens, let's actually really sit down and talk about that before you guys make a decision at the table. Or like we need to make that decision above the table
1: yeah i think that and you don't have to do this necessarily for your personal game because if you're not recording it you know you don't have artistic responsibility it's just like kind of like hey talk to each other but uh creating a podcast at D podcast uh during campaign two i brought in some consultants celeste conowich who is the dm of venture maidens and incredibly accomplished and kevin snow uh who's also an incredibly accomplished like game maker. I had, I asked them for consulting. I paid them money to tell me about my Dungeons and Dragons game because I really wanted to make sure that I was creating one, something that was interesting, but two also something that was like sensitive to the themes and ideas that I was going to explore. Uh, Celeste I kind of just like bounced a lot of ideas off of because she's so incredibly smart but like I'm gonna ask her about like hey is this am I gonna fridge a woman here like is this what does this sound like mm. to you in my notes and Kevin I, I reached out to hit to them and Kevin I reached out to them because because superheroes is like a real body sort of thing I really wanted to make sure that I was treating like radiation and bodies and like powered bodies well and properly in terms of like handicapped issues and the really and like uh able and the really and able-bodied or super powered bodies and kevin was able to give me some really important feedback that we're gonna explore and like what is important what is important to remember when you are changing a body with radiation and Things like that. So that was important to me. And Kevin and Celeste are amazing uh, people to work with. So that's just a shout out because they're both very nice people.
0: It's true because I also do a podcast with Celeste and I also did a Kickstarter with her. So I'm pretty familiar with how awesome Celeste is. Oh,
1: you worked on the hair one?
0: Yeah, the, I'm the other writer.
1: Oh, no way. Are you serious? Yes. I yeah. didn't even put that. To, I didn't even put that together. Celeste is that's amazing. That's me. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Well, I'm talking that's to awesome. Celeste tomorrow and I'll tell her that I'm on. I was on the show.
0: You absolutely should. That's awesome. Nice. That totally threw literally everything up. So, Chris, what do you think are some cons for collaborative world
2: building? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is kind of a con of any time that you get to, together at the table, truthfully. Like, the person that's the spotlight thief I think is always a potential danger and con to doing world building. If you know the things that we just talked about is like, make sure you're having conversations at the table. Like you don't want to bring up like something that's sensitive or out of bounds, obviously, if there are people at the table when you're doing world building, but like the other side of it is too. like somebody might just be an idea generating machine, just as they may be like a really quick on their feet improv person who can role play a story really well but that doesn't allow all of the people at the table to express their voice when they might take them, you know, 30 seconds to come up with an idea as opposed to the person that might do it in like two, you know? And so I think just being aware of that, it can be a potential con if it's not handled right. Um, because then other players might just get disinterested and want and never voice their opinion for helping create things. So I think that's just, that's one of the dangers that I'm always aware of at the table is just making sure that the the spotlight is spread around to all of the people, um, especially when you give more opportunities than just role-playing to have that spotlight be taken. So I think I think that would be the con that I can think of. That would be something that I would have to be aware of at the table uh, when I play.
0: I had not thought of it in, in that light, and that pun is on purpose, uh, spotlight. Uh, but the idea that, okay, so the person says that these things happen in combat. Okay. Uh, I mean, that is what it is. And then there's more flavor. I, I hate to assume it's the rogue, but I assume it's the rogue. And it's like, oh, yeah, I swing off the chandelier and I'm amazing.
2: Okay. Oh, Careful, Viari. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the other thing is just like, oh, this is how the world is. I'm amazing. Like that carries so much more weight. And like you said, it can, I, I mean, it could step on an, like all the toe, all the other toes at the table because like, but like you said, it it could easily come from a genuine place of these are all these amazing ideas that I have, and I'm so excited, and all these things. And uh, hold on, we gotta we gotta make sure that other
1: people are talking too. That's something that I, that's definitely something that I've learned from playing and watching and reading about masks. Is that it's like the DM's responsibility to keep everybody involved, especially if you don't have initiative type fights is like, hey, just let everyone do something cool because eventually they will come up with something cool because your world is cool. So I love having energetic players, but I think that sometimes you just need to prompt somebody to come up with something new and exciting. So are there other specific examples that we could give? I mean, I feel like
0: we've kind of been doing that, but are there other times that we've used collaborative world building that we haven't talked about?
1: I think that asking your players like outside of sessions is a very good time to ask them questions about things that they don't know is world building uh or like asking their permission for to do x, y, and z or um like a part of their backstory maybe they haven't considered like just ask a question is like uh you, you know, let's say you're your one of your players was bullied by somebody and they were always bullied, and they that's how they push themselves to be a big, strong person. Is like, hey, who was your bully? Where was it? Where did it come from? And then it's like, I need to put your school or I need to put like your village on this map. And now I have an NPC that I'm going to bring up in your life later. And like, maybe they're reformed, maybe they're not. But if you ask intentional questions about the backstory, and it doesn't have to be in front of everybody else. Honestly, it's better when it's not. If you ask those questions, even when they don't know it is world building, that really gives you an opportunity. Because uh, like it wouldn't it be wonderful to give someone their bully to come back, but then they have like uh, a cursed necklace on that turned them into half an eldritch horror. Like that sounds pretty neat. I would beat the crap out of that person. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was that was, that was what I was going to say too. Like the the very easy place to do world building is always the player's backstory without them even knowing it. Like. You all of a sudden are in a random town and now that person that you talked about is back. I love that idea doing that. I mean, the other way in which I've done it in the past is like when I created the world that our players are in now, I wrote a whole bunch of like almost Silmarillion like history because I just love that stuff. It's never going to play a part in like the the game that we're playing potentially. But like there was a, there was a guy who was in the group a couple years ago at this point. Who was an author? Who I was just like, hey, help me write some of this stuff.
1: Oh like, yeah,
2: some of this really like nitty gritty stuff that like you and I will geek out about, but nobody else will really care about because it's not ever going to be in game. But it's just fun to do. That was a, that was the place where it was just fun because like it's a different way to get people bought into the game. None of that stuff's ever going to come out, but that person has a vested interest even more so in the world than what they did before. And so that's always been fun for me is just having people help write eras or pieces of history that might not ever see the light of day, but it's a great buy-in tool uh, and people love the world that much more because they have something that they've invested in, in that place.
1: Yeah. And then it might come up, like that's the most important part is yeah. that it might come up. Well, I mean, it, it before it was created in oh. that way, we can all agree it
0: had a 0% chance of coming up. Right, like, exactly. Because it didn't exist, but I also like the idea of changing the level of intentionality when hearing things that don't work right in the moment. Like the thing with the bully, like that. Does, there, there is a chance that it does work in the story and the session that you're in. I also feel like there's a greater chance that it doesn't that in terms of having that discussion at a, a table setting as opposed to having a, that discussion one-on-one. Also, and I don't mean that I don't say what I'm about to say to sound like an adversarial GM or DM, but my players have just been around for so long that I have to do random things to keep them away and off like off their guard <laughs> or they will figure everything out. So my idea is using that intentionality to randomly write things down and randomly roll dice that have no orientation to anything that's currently happening just to just to keep them away but but literally like taking notes like okay so this bully was mentioned but having like you said like having that discussion doesn't make sense for right now but that is something that i I could use later i could use sessions later i could use all these different places and then being able to continue to have those conversations
2: Yeah. Those random conversations that you write down, like somebody had an off encounter with somebody in the town, like write that down and then bring that person back or that person went and told somebody who's now going after the party, like they messed with the wrong person in some way, you know, like they didn't do that intentionally by saying this person, I'm going to be a jerk to, and we should bring them back later in the game. But it was something that they did that then is helping in an indirect sort of way to the world building. That now they're going to remember that person, Steve, or whoever it was that they did something to who now is chasing them down later because of what happened.
1: Yeah. And it, it reinforces consequences.
2: Consequences are world building.
1: Because it's yeah. not, Yes, exactly. Because it's not even like be nice to everybody. It's like do whatever you want, but like just in real life, things will happen. And like that's fun that your story is as close to real life as possible. Yep. Freedom of action, not freedom of consequence. Exactly. Uh,
0: so my favorite section is what we call homework. It's not really homework. It's just cool stuff to go listen to or watch or read. Uh, but do we have any specific pieces of media that people could consume to get a better feel for collaboratively world building? I don't know if you've heard recently, but if you listen to the pregame section of Join the Party, it's a great tool to learn how to collaborative <laughs> world build.
2: Good cop out for you answering the question, Neil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, please listen. Uh, we yeah. try really hard to make join the party the most accessible, best sounding Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Is like that's the that's the superlatives we're gonna slap on the door, you know. And we want people to understand what, how to play the game and how to play it better. So if you want to learn how to world build or do this stuff together, and we like we do teach you how to play Dungeons and Dragons in the beginning of our first campaign. So if that's a thing that you want, like, please listen to our show and use it to your own benefit.
0: One thing I would say is that they are a very good example of that. I would also suggest just finding an AP and listening to usually the first couple of episodes. And you're going to learn about world building one of two directions. Um, <laughs> and it's that, that either you're going to like what you hear and use those things or find out what you don't like. That I mean, you're still learning either way.
1: Real, 100%. I would say please go play anything by Avery Adler, Uh, A Quiet Year, or there's one, uh, a game where you make a mixtape together, it's about road trips, or Monster Hearts 2, if you want to be a monstrous teenager, Avery Adler is amazing, play all of their games. Uh, I would also recommend Dimension 20, you know, I've been playing and participating in D&D media for so long, but the stuff that Brendan Lee Mulligan is doing in terms of world building is truly monumental. I would uh, watch the uh, Unsleeping City chapter, which sets uh, Dungeons and Dragons in New York City, but like urban fantasy. It is incredibly good. It is the melding of modern times and magic in a very like urban fantasy novel sort of way. Like it's very understandable. Like there are pixies and fairies and monsters and all that stuff. But then it's like, city, the Number Sleeps. Oh, it's it's truly amazing and supporting dropout and all the creative stuff there is just really important to do in 2020. So go watch uh, Unsleeping City from Dimension 20.
2: Chris, what do, what do you got? So I was just going to say one of my uh, one of the podcasts that I listen to quite a bit. I haven't listened recently, but I I loved the campaign podcast where they would do that all the time, where it would just be like, and what do you see? And How is this going to work and what are we, you know, any podcast that asks those sorts of questions to their players to do the world building in the moment is one of my favorite things to watch people do together to collaboratively world build. So I would recommend checking, checking their stuff out.
0: I'm trying to think of other pieces of media. I mean... Yeah, there are specific examples because I, you can definitely take the general approach of like, watch any show. What do they think is important enough to show you in the first 30 minutes? Because that's them world building. But that's not helpful. I'll be honest. Yeah, just watch more stuff.
1: I have um, another example if, if okay. it helps. So another example of this is the Bluff City campaign from Friends at the Table. This was the one that was originally behind their Patreon wall, but they've opened it up in these trying times, but it's a lot. It's like an anthology series of like a Atlantic city, strange sort of place, but they're stacking different types of games on top of each other, which leads to a very interesting type of world building as you go Mm. from theme and genre and jump and jump and jump. So their first game that they played was inspectors. So there was like already this established like ghost strangeness. And then that, and then there was a professional wrestler in the game of inspectors. And then when they played the wrestling RPG, then that character came back and the same player played the same character, but then he was in a wrestling match. So it's like they strung all this stuff together because of the gameplay that they did together. So bluff city, it's a lot of games and you, you learn a lot of stuff and you learn along with them, but like the ideas and those themes are really strung together. And Austin Walker is such a proponent of doing interesting things with storytelling that you really learn a lot.
0: I figured it out. Go watch Deadpool because it actually starts at a certain place. And then throughout the movie, you're learning more about how he got where he is and his relationships and things like that. That's a good example. Aha. (laughs) And on that, and on that note, we have the most important question. Where can we go to find all of the awesome stuff you're doing? I mean, there are several places, so
1: there are first, please get the list. Yeah, right. First, please go listen to join the party. Find that wherever podcasts are sold or follow us on Twitter at join the party pod. Uh, You can find me, but I'm usually on Twitter saying my trash opinions at, L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S I L V That is my name with an underscore in the middle if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. Uh, You can also go listen to Next Stop, which is a sitcom and I wrote it. And if you thought I was funny and I think about things, go listen to that as well. You can find that, again, wherever podcasts are sold or follow us on Twitter at Next Stop show and uh also go listen to everything on multitude which is the podcast collective that i am a part of and i'm the head of creative there so you can listen to potterless horse join the party spirits and all the other stuff that we do there and what's your favorite pokemon and then i say something nice about you it's just a fun thing that i do so you can listen to that if you want it's more just you know it's my my side thing that i'm doing in these weird times so that's my big old plug
0: Perfect. Well, Eric, thank you for coming on. Yeah, we're thanks Steph, for being. We're,
1: we'll figure out something else to bring you back on another time. Please, listen, I want to be around just to do, be your guest and help out so I can talk about Dungeons & Dragons. I can talk about literally anything, and this was so much fun.
0: We just want to thank Eric again for coming on and sharing some time and all of the awesome ideas that he had. If you want to get a hold of us and let us know about how you have been doing collaborative world building, then you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. If you see fit and you enjoyed this episode or any of the others, head on to Apple Podcast or your podcatcher of choice and leave us a five-star review and we'll read it on air. Of course, you can always follow us at DMS underscore block on Twitter and like our Facebook page to keep up to date with all the stuff we're doing. And today's Patreon shout out goes to Ryan Nagy. So thank you, Ryan, for being the the latest bronze dragon to join our flight Um, and all the great content that we're sending your way through Patreon. As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Where you can check out other shows like Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Detentions and Dragons, DMnastics, and more. As always, we want to thank you, the listener, for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block. The place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master. The most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neil. Keep on dungeon mastering good night and good luck
2: it's not inspiration it's not wisdom and it's bad advice
0: don't let your players track their own hit points you track it and never tell them what's going on until they're dead
1: Goodbye.